Oh man, check out that waiter, man. That beard is crazy. Now, uh, here is actually another funny scene. There's hardly any funny scenes in this movie. And it's not because of Jerry. This is unbelievable. He would be going like, oh, I'm cautiously taking this scarf off you. It doesn't make sense in the real world. But she is funny, you'll see. I guess, you know, like the, the bellboy's like that, too. He just gets into situations like that. Now, look, his ring is stuck. See, she's the funny part of this scene because she just tolerates him. And then at the end, she's like, just go. Please just leave. Go. Now, imagine if you're on a first date with a love interest, right? And she's seeing you do this mistake. You, she wouldn't be loving it. Just go away. Please go. <laughs> Just leave. <laughs> Man, I've never seen anyone wear a suit like that before. Yeah, unless they broke out of he's the hamburglar. Yeah, right. The hamburglar back with dirty sepia tires. You might wear that on the tonight show. Oh, here's something for me to spill. Uh-huh. So, like, he does the goofy guy, and then he's like, I love when I make you laugh. And so it's sort of like all those times when he, like, blew up her tire, was he fucking around? You know what I mean? No, he's just covering a test. So this was shot in the country club, too. In a country? Yeah, this was one of the 23 rooms. Almost every interior you'll see was in his Fort Lauderdale little complex. Uh oh, props. Oh, don't you hate menus? Hey, what's the deal with menus? All right. <laughs> oh, Here you up. are, Lonnie Anderson lookalike. She was oh, a pilot, God. by the way. She was? Yeah, she, the story. she went in like a Boeing and it had an accident and dropped like 30,000 feet, you know, but it was fine. But it was on the same night that Buddy Holly died. And so she got freaked out. And she was like, I'll never get in a plane again and she stuck to that except when she it was like an overnight thing but then right. somebody convinced her to try it she became an aviator and she's got credits uh, let me just pull that up and there's an accident she lives through a crash um Local Los Angeles news anchor Hal Fishman introduced her to personal flying, an evening flight over Los Angeles in the Cessna, motivated to turn to Santa Monica Airport the next day. To she became she got pilot lessons, oh. and she was she did her own transatlantic flight on a Piper J three Cub. I guess that's a little bigger than a Cessna. A, an airplane. She was showboating. She was fucking around. Airplane flipped and crashed, and she escaped injury. Uh, she became the fourth woman to fly a single-engine aircraft across the Atlantic Ocean, and she did it from New York. They wouldn't let her fly to Moscow. It was, you know, the Cold War. Oh, right, yeah. What a bunch of killjoy. Yeah. She was contracted by Learjet in 68 uh, to, to, fly, to fly jets. It, it, to set records for them, and she earned this rating and flew some charters. She, oh, but did 
Okay, I don't know. There's a there's a history here. She went on to be in do something interesting. Well, look, the Goodyear we got another promotion going. Yeah, so Jerry is flying the blimp, and so Postmaster will get a crazy phone call. Do you know what your guy just did? And he'll freak out on him and give him demerits. Oh, the humility. That's what his boss will say. Oh, the humility? <laughs> Very nice. Did I steal that? I don't know. Can I spin that? Yeah, how can you even go on stage and say, hey, guys, hey, it's great to be here in Lindenhurst. Huh? What a bummer 120 years ago when that two-wheel blimp exploded. Now, what if Jerry Lewis is hardly working, he gets a job, and he's delivering the package to Goodyear Blimp, and he goes, hey, Joe, hey, Jack, uh, where are you? And then, okay, guy. And then he goes, oh, uh, I just got the light. All right, well, that's with my, oh, my that's time. My time. As the Italians say, I will go. Well, okay, like, no, but it would be, like, more like humility. Like, okay, like, uh, I... They send me the same credit card offer, you know, for the last eight years. Don't they know I'm not buying their credit card? Why do they? I mean, don't they have any humility? Does that work? You giggled. Yeah, you know, I think I think that's the right track. It's junk mail. Like, you keep getting all the junk mail. And no, it's like, enough already. Show some humility. <laughs> yes, Postal Service, can't we unsubscribe? Wait a minute. Bush? Yeah, uh, he's and like Spud. Spud's dad. <laughs> Spud McKenzie's grandfather. Yeah, no, it's just a Dalmatian. It's not Spud. Look at look at that. It's pole tabs, man. What what decade are we from? Is it nineteen eighty? Look at his goofy, goofy face. It's like we totally stepped out of reality. Oh yeah, there's so many ads. <laughs> okay, we, now we have a scene that's funny for two seconds. We're going to have a confrontation. Why don't you put up the sound? Okay, I will. Hang on. Okay, this is funny. Two seconds. Well, you see, we really even missed the funny part. It was funny when they first started doing it. Now it gets old. But... You oh. weren't Johnny on the spot. You never are with the. <laughs> Man, that's really. Carl? Carl? Mike. Speak of it. You know when that funny was funny is when I think it was like, dude, where's my car? Uh, they like they just said dude back and forth with different. Right, things. yeah. Plus, it was funny because they woke up and they had tattoos on their back. Oh, yeah. Really? I got a tattoo on my back. What's it say? We, what's my tattoo today? Dude. Yeah, that's for genius. Genius. No, that, I was so happy. It's a very funny scene. It's not the same scene. Yeah. Man, when they won a Peabody for that scene, I was so proud of them. I was like, that deserved <laughs> Look, we, he's getting oh. beat up by Postmaster. He's getting beat up by the father now. Really? Hand to hand combat? That's not like the Postal. And like all these mail. Why do they have all these letters, Carl? Why is there letters in the office? To be pratfall fodder. Yeah, but shouldn't they be delivering mail? Why is it in his office? Yeah. Like, he, he just... Damn it! I'm tired. All right, just put it, put it, put it over here. Okay, we'll get to it tomorrow. Yeah. 
tomorrow's new mail comes. All right, but there's always like, you know, two or three sacks that they're just like, ah, oh, fuck it, it's a long day. Put it, put it under the desk. They delivered 800 sacks of mail today. It's like, ah, oh, I just, I don't want to do this last one. All right, put it, put it behind the dumpster. So <laughs> then, then the movie ends. Is there an endpoint in sight? I mean, how does this movie end? He was supposed to get. He lost his job at the circus like an right. hour ago. Right, and, and then, then he went through all the odd jobs. He they got fired because he touched the girl's leg. Then he got a job at a gas station, but he knocked over the gas twice, and then he blew up a lady's tire, and water came out of the, and he hit his head, and then the gas was spewing everywhere. Mm -hmm. And then he moved on. Yeah, he, then he got a job as a betting hound chef. Which okay, lasted so longer time than next. This is the job that will be his job through the rest of this film, okay? And how we're heading to an ending doesn't make any sense, Mike. It, he'll, he'll become successful at this job, and then he'll quit to go to Sarasota Clown College. It doesn't make any sense. This movie is a dog. <laughs> I'm an alumni of SCS. Uh, SCC. You know, I, I graduated at FCC, Florida Clark College. Look at these. God, he's been ripping off like Sid Caesar now. He ripped off the girl. No, don't. No, 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 I don't want to knock it off. So he's been given the hardest job in the whole place by the boss who is the father, you know. And so the joke is, it's exhausting, but it's not a true, you know, it's just not believable in the real world. So much of this film isn't. Jerry, Jerry. Yeah, I mean, where's his Walkman uh, headset? Why is he so exhausted? It doesn't make sense. He's on his feet. That's exhausting. This is not like clowning, where you have to run around a three-rig circus. Yeah, it's not like clowning, where you do 15 minutes... And then 30 minutes later, you do another five. Uh, right. Well, they put, in case an elephant charges or takes a shit, you have to go. You, you're on duty. You're on call. As a clown, circus clown, you never know when there's like animal shit and you have to clean it up. They need a clown out there distracting the audience. <laughs> so you're on call. You're on, you're on shit patrol. That was some Buster Keenan right there. You get a demerit for that. I'm yeah. get you Merit. out of here. Hundreds e of merits, and you're e out. M-I-L-M-E-R-I-T. Demerit. Okay, going back in my car. Made my point. Drive it off. <laughs> it oh, wow. Now he's back at his desk. That was a quick drive. Listen, you got to get me out of here. I'm either in my car or I'm on my desk. I can't stand it anymore. Okay, so he called up the guy who, like, got him the job. Now, the whole movie he's been going, I don't know who pulled strings so you could get this job. And then he calls up the guy who pulled the strings to get him the job. Does that make any sense in the real world, Mook? Are they going to fire him for, for hooking up white privilege? Okay, now, after all his fuck-ups, this guy's there to inspect him, right? 
They're going to follow him around all day and see how he does his job. Now, what's going to happen is he's going to, for no reason, Mike, he doesn't, he's always fucking up, right? He's going to do a perfect job all day long. Oh, here you are, ma'am. I'm doing my job perfectly. No screw ups. I didn't, I didn't flip your button and your pants dropped. I didn't, you know, walk yeah. into the door and hurt my nose. I'm doing a perfect postal job. Look at that rich lady driveway. I drove up your rich lady driveway to your door and I handed you a delivery and then I drove. I have a circular driveway myself. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, I don't get like the postman. The postman parks the car at a block, sits in the car for an hour, and then uh, maybe walks a couple, you know. Walks Perfect parking block. job. Did you notice when he put the mail in that mailbox, it didn't like, you know, the door wouldn't swing open. It didn't flip and bonk him on the butt. You know, he's perfect postal guy today. Yeah, he's doing well. Well, he knew he was being followed. And boy, he doesn't that make the father steaming mad. I can't get that typewriter song out of my head. I know that 9 to 5 was 1980, and that was Dolly Parton's song because of the typewriter. So there was two movies where you could hear the, the alluring sounds of the typewriter up front. Right. Who knew War Games was around the corner and the typewriter would become... A keyboard. Yeah, a music. Clackety-clackety-clack. Clack. The clackety 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 clack enter. The clackety clackety clack backspace. Clackety clackety clack enter. You could hear what they're typing. Ten print. Carl is cool. Twenty go to bed. <laughs> L print basic. So now it's like it's been a pleasure watching you all day. You're perfect, and he's like. Now he's talking up his boss who was trying to get him fired, saying he's a good boss. He wouldn't, he was hard on me, but because he had to, you know. And so it's turning back into that drama. This is the same guy who moments ago was like, go, 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 I'm fucking up. It doesn't, he's two people in this film and they don't go. Well, look now, good man leaves. I can't believe I'm going to shake my head one more time. Hey, you want to go to the sex club where the postmen hang out? Ah, gee, I don't know. I have always been wanted an invite, but gee whiz. Oh, you want to wrestle, watch me wrestle an alligator? Uh, you know, I, I know. All the guys will be there. You're one of us now. You're good, postal guy. Yeah. Now watch, here's a funny thing. In the, I mean, meaning to be funny, but watch what happens. Well, they work together. Uh, that's right. Here you go, kid. Listen, nobody oh, eats my fry. I'm the director here. Cut. Now listen, nobody. I don't want that because you had your germs on it. But meanwhile, my fingers were on it, and I'm just going to drop it into your sack of food. I don't even know what type of sandwich that is. He always talks about sandwiches. You know, Smith being like, I was eating a very loose egg sandwich at the glass hat. And it fell on my shirt, and Dean said, you gonna eat that kid? Did we both laugh? <laughs> I can't. I can't mind a laugh. Now the he's saying like, "All right, I'm not gonna be a jerk to you anymore." And listen, my daughter would like for you to call her. But you're like a son to me now. Like now he's all in with everything, and everything's cool. 
But he's still sleeping at his sister's, right? Yes. So it's not really cool. In terms of the plot, he's finally found a place that he's not a fuck up. Jerry, put the sandwich down. I'm done. Oh no. You know, this reminds me of Carl watching a 3D movie where, like, after like 30 minutes of 3D effects, you're like, I get it. Uh, yeah, I know. You're like, I'm so done. 10 more minutes, we'll go through as many sound social effects as possible. Now we're having like love interests do like sexy talk. Well, as one does. Is this one of your, is this one of those perverted phone calls? And she goes, that's for later. Really? Oh, yeah. First, you can, we have a dinner phone call. <laughs> and then we get an Uber phone call. An Uber phone call? Yeah, you know, after the movie. You're like, well, I can get you home. Uh, I can call you an Uber. Back then, Uber was super in German, right? So if you made an Uber call, it was like a really good call. Now, look, she right. looked in the mirror sort of like, okay. Here's a not funny, like he's using an automatic razor. You know, he wouldn't need shaving cream. You don't do that, right? I've, I'm not familiar with the electric razor, but when I used it, I've never put shaving cream in it. That's a funny joke, Jerry. Oh, my God, this film. Okay, this is an unnecessary dumb scene, but all we learn is he's got a shipment of rabbits and the owner's never home. So Jerry says, I'll take that shipment. Have it. Have it, rabbit. That's clean shaving during this. You got a good good shave in that for all. Now, there's another thing, Mike. I, I, I don't know if it's this is the fourth time I've seen this film, and I'm still not sure if it's a joke. Remember the two rabbits? Right, yeah, of course, sure. Okay, so you know the thing rabbits multiply. So Yeah, they're very good at math. I think the joke is those two rabbits became like a whole room full of rabbits. And so now he's going to have a postal truck filled to the brim with rabbits. As one does. Look at this. The old circle swipe. Okay. Now I want to back up, Mike, right? This guy was trying to find a home, trying to find a job for himself that was a real job and not just a... Found yeah. job. And he was getting fired every day. So he finally achieves that. As a matter of fact, he gets the highest commendation from the politician who got the, him the job. So what is he going to do? He's going to quit. He dresses up as a clown. And Munchie Guy is his partner in this. There's Telly Savalas. Yeah, I've noticed that. Who loves you, baby? Who loves you, baby? And Look, all these like kids and people are following them because he's a funny clown. It doesn't warrant this crowd. Uh, Can I ask you, like, do you remember what year Scarface was? Mid eighties. I, I, Google will tell us. Oh well, that's all right. But it's just here's Miami. Like, I know they didn't use much of Miami Scarface and see Los Angeles, but. Well, for this film, it's really Fort Lauderdale in Palm, uh, Palm Beach. It's like Fort Lauderdale. Here comes the clown. 
Scarface movie. 1983. All right, let's let's go. Wow. Yeah. What's he giving out? Confetti. He's giving out the mail. He's delivering the mail. (laughs) And 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 it's like it doesn't make sense to the plot. Why Why? pulling this shit? And then he'll quit the job at the end. Where's the confetti come from? Did people throw it from the uh, second floor? This whole movie does not make sense in the real world. Why would people... Oh, the clown's coming by today. Look, Wilco! Yeah, I know Wilco in Fort Lauderdale. I'm in Fort Lauderdale. Go to Wilco. Next to Culver City. It's the description city. Remember, there was Woolworths and Wilco, and I think I mentioned two guys on this show. Corvettes, remember Corvettes? Yeah. Look at this. They, they, the crap is throwing confetti. All these people are here in real life because it's like Jerry Lewis and they had they were extras and are they so is he leading them to the concentration camp? Yeah, see that's the weird thing the internet like different reviews brought up. It's sort of like that. And I wonder if he was doing that to forgive himself for that crap he did. I don't know. Look how it is the stamps. And there are people. It's a Publix. They're still. Okay. So here is postal guy. And he goes, that's it. You're fired. You are fired. And they say, you can't fire me. I quit. Oh, classic. Take this job and shove it. Now, there's something a little funny here. He goes, who are you? You're the, are you two related? And she goes, he's my father. He goes, the clown's your father? And he goes, the guy goes, no, he's the boyfriend. Your father's your boyfriend? And then it's not funny again. Someone punched it up. Look at it, Jerry's laughing. Yeah. That's because he goes, he made a mockery of the post office. And then the reporter goes, we do that every day. And everyone laughs. It's so it looks like Florida without cocaine right now. Like just kind of <laughs> he goes, he quits, but he has one last delivery. And so the father's like, What are you talking about? Oh, the puppets, right? Open oh, the door the... and see it for yourself. He like the circus motif. It ends with the circus. Oh, rabbits. Although yeah. we can't really see him. Hey, this is the pedicopter. This is not cool. Pedicopter. Pedicopter. He's a pedicopter. Oh, he's a pedophile. Why oh, is it funny? Oh, the kids got something to eat. Hey, I'll trade you 500 green stamps for a rabbit. Now, I don't know if it was safe for these rabbits, but it was okay, I guess. They're on the hot sun. People are trampling them. What's the ratio between rabbits and, ra- and people? More people. But wait, am I wrong? Because the rabbits are little. Look. Ringling Brothers Clown College, Sarasota. Now, I've been there. I went to their circus museum there, and it's really quite cool. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Is there nothing else to do in town? (laughs) Right. Well, there was. There's the uh, John Ringling Museum where you can see all this art, and that was fun. Oh, that looks um, The um, Ringling Brothers, it had a picture of this cat, right? And the cat was like, no, no. It was cats as horses. 
like it was a horse and buggy and the cats were leading it. And there was one of those little rhesus monkeys with the fez and he had a little whip. <laughs> so stupid little. Oh, that's great. Oh my God. <laughs> they go around in a circle. I also saw real footage of Buffalo Bill. Okay, so he's quit. He was hitchhiking the clown college. Love interest picks him up. So I guess they're saying, I don't really want any of this. I want to go back to being a clown. And then the mom is like, I'll abandon my child and join you. No, the child was in the back of the truck. Look at these outtakes. Da, da, da. Yeah. So we see we see scenes we already saw from the film and then it keeps cutting to that bit in which they're doing an outtake oh see, so remember? it's like regular scenes yeah oh yeah one last time yeah the embarrassment let's make it the poster remember this thing we did this thing oh yeah i remember that right. Remember that milk? That milk, that milk that was an expensive practical. Don't cry over it. Then it cuts back to the outtake. And then, you know, take two outtake. Look how smug Jerry is. I don't know what he's saying. He is smug and he goes, you see this guy? You're probably never going to see him again in film. <laughs> he is smug. Not wrong. It's Just a black and white. Jerry's interesting the way he states and stuff. Well, Carl, listen. Let's stop talking about this movie. Thank you, Mike. So I could finally Thank ask you. Carl, let's talk about this movie. What you think? Uh, of it? I thought this was a piece of shit movie, and there's nothing redeeming. I thought that uh, there was like four funny lines, I would say, and they often came at the same time. Maybe there's three funny sn snippets. I don't know. It wasn't good. And, and Jerry thinks that. The critics don't get him. And his proof positive is this was a big commercial success. So, you know, I still don't argue because I'm not laughing, but that's what I thought of this film. Well, I don't know. It, it, was, it delivered what it promised. Poor Jerry after a long absence. Mike, Mike, Mike. It promised the early 60s, Jerry. It promised hilarity. Did it deliver, Mike? No. <laughs> <laughs> it did not deliver. I want to punch Jerry Lewis in the face. Oh, here we go. City of Mayor of Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. Um, Beach. Okay. Mike, I feel like I interrupted you. I think you're going to talk up this movie a little. So, Mike, what did you think of this movie? Well, Carl, I think it's, I, like I said, it's great to see Jerry do a full-length movie. I'm not one of those guys who think, like, directors should do 10 movies and stop. I like when they do, like, one of their last movies is a piece of shit. I enjoy watching it. Full body, like body, body. I like seeing this, you know, like, so, yeah, it's not, it's it's a piece of shit. The product placement and the laugh track, it's all just it's garbage. Hey, do you think I could do a heist and get that print of the Jerry Lewis movie? Do you think I could get, like, someone to give me, a, you know, like, millions of dollars for it? Tell me more. So you mean, like, maybe we have a connection at the National Archive. And yeah. then, like, a hundred hundred grand, maybe we could take it. How much would you be willing to pay for that? Well, I, I, would, I would totally do, like, an Ocean's Eleven to steal that print. And then sell it on the black market so that so it gets. You, 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 you pretend you're a janitor. You go into the Jim Carrey wing of the National Archive. Right, right, right. And then you you actually go next door to the Jerry Lewis. 
Maybe the uh, Jerry Lewis family would be the ones to pay me. Well, all right. You know what? Let's never talk about Jerry. I was going to pick another Jerry Lewis movie because they're out there, but I can't. My head's like mush. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. All right. So I'm really excited. Our next movie, we're going from Jerry Lewis to Pamela Stevenson from uh, uh, 80s Saturday Night Live and not necessarily the news and not the 9 o'clock news. Uh, Kenny Everett show. She was in a movie uh, called Finders Keepers, uh, which actually stars Michael O'Keefe from Caddyshack. It's a Richard Lester movie. I found a Finders Keepers TV spot, 1984, uh, hosted by movie and video game TV spots. So I was going to play it. So it's it's a comedy where con men try to steal money off a train. Okay. So I'm going to raise the volume of my YouTube uh, outlet, and I'm going to play this 31-second uh, promo for next week's movie, Finders Keepers, 1984. Do you see it? I'm just going to go ahead and I'm play it. I'm trying to find it, but I think you should just go ahead. Oh, I... Is it right, 23 seconds? No, it's... Finders Keepers. Okay, I'll just leave it to you. I'll listen. Well, you better check newspapers for theaters, Carl. Okay. I didn't hear a thing of that. It sounded like this. Newspapers oh. for theaters. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Get ready. Get trash. Get prepared. <laughs> Splash. It's time to have fun with Crash, Smash, Bash. Michael <laughs> Keith, Beverly D'Angelo, and Lou Gossett Jr., in Finders Keepers, rated R. <laughs> he rated our movie. I rated R. Okay, rated I'm looking R. forward to it. Finders Keepers, 1984, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We do it again. What the trailer? Yeah. Okay. There's a train. Who? What are they stealing? What do they steal? Sounds like fun. Just showed a motorcycle. Just fell through a thing. They fell through a thing. House, house crash. Rated R. Check your movies for theaters. Check your theaters for newspapers. Check okay. your right. Check check papers for theater listings. Check theater for newspaper. I will totally watch Finders Keepers 1984 and uh, see if it's a sinker or not and report. Sounds great. All right. Well, guys, uh, feel free to watch the movie in advance as Carl will do. Carl's going to diligently do research. I think it was a fantastic job for such an experimental film. Experimental. Experimental. <laughs> <laughs> Excremental. A shitty film. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so thank you so much. We want to thank Community Radio for hosting us first and uh, 
Our archives are in uh, flux, but we should have it all back together. But uh, hopefully, but thank you guys. And uh, Carl, thank you. Audience, thank, thank you. you. This hour starts our exploratory precision towards free will, free energy and freedom, in its peculiar circularities as we ponder maths from right to left and counterclockwise up and around the town with which we strategize a brown motionary stirred up in gentle probability, here now is, free will. Oh the free will question, because I choose to write about it, see? The collection of regression is the path of my prior choice, and its continuation is my talent, to my belief which is sufficient, for enjoyment, and that is the nature of the universe. To enjoy is purely the functioning of a returning and totality of a system to carry on in perpetuity, as one would like as it is to be enjoyed. Backspace are marvelous, as an adjunct to a concept which doesn't function and a slight correction is within our powers in the near term, and near is what we have at our disposal, to use that term, which is literally in this case, how we transition a set into another set, using perhaps some of the numbers, signed in their maths, for the functioning of further functions, and as numbers are applied within those functions, the other numbers naturally retain until they are further disposed into other functions. And this carries on, with a conceptual idea that there are always a sufficiency in numbers to proceed in our cycles, and those are for the mind, its ability to take what I just learned as reference to this case, the Markov blanket, which is a warm cuddly covering over a distinct collection, taking care of it, and providing its own body for the set of these numbers. If we were to go back, we may imagine exposing this blanket to the elements of prior bypasses of numbering thus reassigning a similar yet different blanket of numbering, whose reference is now a combination of events as recalled with concurrency of consciousness, and near coupled with the success of our warm blanket prior, 
we may be inclined to further enjoy the victory, which ought not to diminish. For the time our brains permit an enjoyment without a furthering of development, and this is also within Markov. And so, a free will question comes up at times like these, as evident, and the precursor to that thinking is not immediately evident, but I will and will explain the happenstance of the oncoming and forthcoming sparkability, which is a dull drum of free association, and my own, perhaps, questioning as to what is free in association. Well the return as in free energy as described by Carl Finston, check, describes both Markov and our, how did he phrases it? Well I'd have to look it up, and I will in a second. But we already described how numbers are exchanged and so this should suffice, and you needed worry about me looking it up, and you can provide a time to do so, if that is your desire. But back to free association, and the thinking that surroundings of everything observed for, by and about, coupled with perhaps randomized memory recall, is our natural response to perhaps a question we didn't hear precisely, as inaudibly, and that these conversations going on are part of their own numbered set and functioning, and perhaps by participating in the numbering without a pure attentive consciousness, as consciousness goes, our lackadaisical free thinking may offhandedly participate in the numbering, when it doesn't offend or affect our concurrency, and even if it does, and you wind up shouting something from the creases of your own brain. Well, that is your personal reaction and your behavior of how you deal with information in your runtime state of whatever you are about at that moment. Sounds a bit obtuse, and it is, for the mere fact that you don't have to respond solely for yourself in all events, that is the benefit towards yourself. This brings us to focus, but more specifically at this time, our reasoning to write which is to operate the functions which function towards enjoyment, and numbers as a side gig, with focus to apply them to working systems. Satisfied as that, for moments, and further moments at a time, until the function is heavy enough to plot, as observes, or simply proceeds in its imaginary non-imagined though accurate by imagination. Graph. It's pointless. Ha! To imagine the graph because you're not purely aware of the numbers which will be presented, further allowing you to trigger available functioning systems. So this is fun, isn't it? The crux of course is how free will affects others, and this is how we have it, because it does affect others, and our combined freedoms allow us to provide for ourselves and others, as our natural abilities and proclivities proclaim for our justification of our own freedoms as observed in our continued abilities to be free. Even shackled with an itch on your nose that you wish to scratch, is a scenario where you could think about butterflies, as I did for a moment, to distract perhaps the ish, and thus avoid the inevitable ongoing one to scratch. Scratch. See I scratch my arm because it was a preset trigger, but if I knew then what I know about itches now, I would perhaps find a better solution. Even that thought may incline you to itch a bit. As the bits of communication on your body chatter about what the hell you're talking to it about, and collectively decide to move to the right or up and about and poke particularly on the organ which is your skin, and beneath, where soft tissue and organs may in similar fashion, have gotten some electrics and spin to question and unbalance for a shift? The question now comes to completeness. That is when will this document of recollection and processed formery be finished? and that is to be determined by the body I wish to write, and if I wish to continue on the free will theme, or if I wish now to break into a story, 
or what precisely I will do after this completeness and how does that progress in the cycles I am both perhaps used to, as not a specific action, but functionally within the near space is available for me to process the spatial numbering which is the all the time. And so, my recall is about, and the word is missing, but it's needles on the skin. And specifically my memory is the ear, and the reason I mention this is because its completeness is when it's no longer comfortable, and in fact obtrusive. And so you might have a memory of how long that is, or you may remember the sensation, and you may do a combination of these, and even imagine a discomfort, and that is actual, and that is still completeness, and you may further decide the effects were ineffectual to your desire. Acupuncture is the word, and it's no longer needed. But there it is, written down. Combined with this concurrency of various discomfort, I realize further motion will be required to complete this work, as well as become comfortable, and I do want you to leave with a warm feeling about the presented material facts, and these are part of them, and so I share that and preclude to provide what I believe will be needed in the future, while perhaps ignoring the immediacy I so often talk about, which, indicates that while functioning in physics, this may introduce a behavior in yourself, which I am indicating, which is to listen to this podcast until completion, and perhaps now you are expecting the completion, and the ish has begun, and more specifically, said to regain your focus, the time at which you hear this messaging is the time our systems have then formed a mantle, with my words, and hence as carefully as I chose, and your time in and about your own functioning brain and etc. That mantle provides for me my future, our future, choices as in free, as in free energy and thus will footnote this in brief to the Wired article I read just this morning, about the explorations of Carl Friston, and the direct quote of preponderance, free energy is the difference between the states you expect to be in and the states your sensors tell you that you are in. When you sense you are within something, you are, and the difference, is your, the natural you, allows to proceed to the result which, in expectation, is the precursor to other eventfulness in these functions, or blankets as both Markov and Friston utilize. This explains it to me, and it's a novel used to utilize the remainder towards the benefit of something which already exists, expectation, hence the free nature of this economy, as everything is utilized while motion proceeds. Good. Done. This has been and is still, in motionary and ongoing in spatial cosmistry, a bit from the left off-center city by and about the Bay, San Francisco, Oakland, Berkeley, to name a few which are on my mind this November the 10th, in our year of the hindsight, 2020, AquaQC3W. And this bit is just the bits to remind you to get your figure and figuring together and to and gathered with the dosh to provide for yourself and our environment to displace its paper tie in exchange for your misuse of plastic for the furthering exchange of ideas, and that is the book, A Wizard's Pocket, now unavailable on a slightly alien point of non-existence until you chose and purchase a one or many of, and ignorance is not in fact bliss and only bliss as created will be discovered, and so to further these and ideas, carry on with carrying this book, on your shelves and in, in fact your pocket and pocket books even, a book inside a book, so proceed in any eventfulness, this is AquaQ of AquaQlabs.com with San Francisco's Pisces a peachy and lovely loverly C3W.
Freedom is the range of ability to provide free energy, where the ordering is spread evenly across all space-time domains, and regarding observation, as in your collectiveness in one or more sets of space-time. Think about going to the store, and coming home, both time and space events. Questioning goes, if we have total freedom, and its ordering is spread evenly, that is its net entropy is maximized thereby providing a greater immediacy in the return of debt, either in energy or matter, that is the difference between what is expected and allowed is the difference in energy, well that expectation requires consciousness, and so where is choice and freedom? Maximum nudge entropy would be infinite, and related to a maximum order, or perfectly ordered freedom, well, is not even theoretical, as approaching perfect order, includes entropy in some degree, i.e. not observed, and because free energy is available but not always used for work. Choice is the remainder of the unordered freedom, for reasons which it is available but not deliveries as work, instead is pervade as consciousness. It could be said some of this leads to work, hence the power to alter entropy within our domains. So consciousness alters the spin of entropy, and we say spin because it is change over time. Note that entropy is a word, not a negative signed variable. So what are we trying to say here? That our belief perhaps is an ordering of consciousness, which in its domain has the same rules, not coincidentally, as our observer domain, uni-verse, as in a continuity of a single verse, of string of words, as their various vectors as placed by consciousness. So that is how the universe is considered infinite, as our consciousness, as we know ourselves, and our observation of our domain is to alter it, if only by changing entropy, or again the ratio of freedom to choice, or its relationship, not to be confused with a denominator, or division. Infinite entropy, is minimum freedom, therefore non-available free energy, and complete and total choice. I use complete and not infinite, as since there is no available energy, there is no work which can be done as an order in return. So choice is simply on, well we can still say it's infinite, because of its nature to make its first choice, and which choice involves consciousness. This is our paradox. We have available an entirety of choice to then produce energy, thereby causing a motion of entropy which beings at. Let's propose our choices to move forward, a line or chord, well it's more of a minute particle motion, and that particle is now a participant, fact is we have neither matter nor energy. So particle is our placeholder, and defined by our consciousness which chose to move, and movement requires a body, hence the instantaneous creation. Our participant shares now freedom and choice, as all are available, and the ratio is at this point, the relationship between the two, and just what is that? Well it's the choice which the second particle makes, coupled with the now available energy. The above is a little obtuse, as we don't have any requirement to move as we have infinite choice. So our consciousness just sort of hangs out, without space-time, and this goes on for a non-eternity, that is to say one time becomes a variance of the ratios between freedom and choice, our ability to have simply pure choice is diminished, however freely provided for the space-time which continues as choice and work provide for each other, as is their relationship. This is perhaps our second or similar paradox where limited choice and limited availability to return work, and as work cannot change the ratio of choice, per se, 
Well as the choice alters the ratio and work is observed, that alters perhaps choice? But observation of work does not alter the ability to provide the energy for work, and neither performing or utilizing free energy can alter the availability of free energy. You can utilize something and alter its ratio, to choice? That's exciting, says choice with all of it and also free energy and a relationship. Let's keep that, he says, for once the relationship exists. A dissolution of the ratio leaves a muck of matter and energy with no allowances for movement, that is stasis, and how just would a conscious choice remove an entirety of stasis, as there is no energy for the bits to move, and as well, one's complete choice, as included in the ratio, is now dumbed down with a portion of consciousness in stasis. So this must mean that choice remains a constant outside of the interrelationship of secondary choice to freedom, where localized choice alters freedom, but then our freedom relates to our outside choice, and so the overall ration remains. This brings us to the sexes, wherein as noted earlier, the perspective, theta, phi, as simultaneous observations of angles of a triangle. And why it's a triangle is simple because it is enclosed the reasoning that two traveling points will at some time observe each other. Brilliant? So our triangle is conscious, which is in our prior story, then originated at the same point, and in their own perspectives began to move. Now since the interrelationship of their perspectives don't change over time, their velocity remains constant, as a ratio between speed and direction. So while we draw it as a triangle, our male and female counterparts are maintaining their interrelationship by maintaining their own ratio between their personal speed and direction. Therefore perhaps the third side of our triangle, the observation, is initial and constant too, as it would need to be constant due to the interrelationship, and while observation itself is not ongoing per se between our two traveling sexes, or points, its consciousness shared at the initial point of travel is its provided constant, and since this ratio is always fixed, and because we can have triangles with any corollary sets of perspectives or angles, and as all triangles must have an origin, due to the simple fact that two random points will never have the same corollary perspectives for the ability to maintain their velocities towards a continuity of perfection, as is required in our triangle, the origin is always on a point of a circle. The reasoning for this is, to provide the constant of observation, while simultaneously providing the maximum choice, to our corollary sexes, and thus ensuring their constant perspective towards each other, and thus everything they participate in. Well, since they have choice and work and observation to complete the triangle is constant, that is it cannot be changed due to the onset of perspectives from origin. Well to create a triangle would then require three simultaneous and corollary angles, this is the sets of, theta, phi, phi, theta, observation, where interestingly, as observation is constant, and choice exists to create triangle, but not the individual angles, except that they maintain the ratio, as our only requirement, again and always, due to our initial choice to create and provide for our creation to be functional in freedom as it is part of our consciousness, which of course we enjoy. So the triangle is instantaneous, therefore its origin comes from the same consciousness, and as observation is a constant, the triangle is surrounded on all sides, and because of the ratio of the triangle, as it exists on three axes of creation and observation simultaneously, Thus freeing is up as in being provided for with energy, 
it travels, has traveled, and will continue to travel with its constant velocity and perspective, and so, with all these possibilities, our points of origin, become infinite, again because of the choice and energy. So at origin, in all aspects, that is points in space-time, and in fact the everything of all of everything origin, as we are aware. Having all the energy is minimum freedom, as it is stored, and therefore there is no allowance for work to be provided, and in fact no need, because there is no yet ratio between choice and freedom, as no choice has been made, and it exists in a non-state only. So our triangles are simultaneous, again as stated, they are created at origin, and because we are aware of an infinite corollary, optional triangles, that is to say we can have a triangle with any set of corollary angles, so long as it has three sides, that is the ratio. Well, the ratio happens to be 180, and because there are infinite bearings of perspectives, there are an infinite number of triangles, all at origin on three points, again because of the ratio ratio ratio, I said it. And so our circle exists with an infinite possibility of travel, or the velocity as the ratio of choice and freedom, and due to this corollary perspective to each other and origin, the exchange of choice and freedom within this correlation and towards and about origin, are maintained to provide for the sexes, and about this perspective, as the consciousness which is the instantaneous and initial everything, as now we have have infinite possibilities of corollaries. Since choice exists, as stated, as pure and infinite, then even to create our triangles, we maintain infinite choice, because choice exists at origin. That is to say that instantaneously and for infinity, we have, an observation of all perspectives, in their perfect and corollary velocities. To wrap it up, origin retains choice, and as well bestows it as an entirety, towards a continuum of continuity of choice. So is bestowed and retained, our choice, at origin of an infinite number of plot table points, as enforced infinity. When I say our, I really mean the correlation of the sexes with to maintain the ratio of observation from origin, that is, theta, phi, phi, theta, o, that is our collective choice, which using the above data set, provides for the constant choice of origin to be incorporated into the continuity of the velocities our sexes to maintain origins absolutely of choice, for the benefit of all three. That is to say, there exists within your choice and freedom, to optimize yourself by staying true to your relationships of whichever one of, theta, phi, phi, theta, o, you happen to, be at any point. Because of this relationship, and empathy as in our nature of corollary perspective, we feel as each other, and while maintaining our choice, origin feels everything. So does origin feel perfectly? And what is emotion and their corollaries to a circle? and must they all exist? Well, remember our corollaries and velocities of our paired sexes? Well their deviations and their ability to maintain constant velocity, adjusts their bodily shapes, from origin, so that because they were changing choice or freedom, they alter their shape, and this shape, or more specifically, the incongruity of the correlation of shapes. Hence unpaired deviation from our ratio at origin, is thus while altering a relationship, well it's time to be humble. That is the observation of origin is perhaps a heady discourse for assumption, but the facts that we feel, is indicative of our nature towards each other and for the benefit of, and that simplicity frees us up incredibly, so that we don't have to think about our choice. 
c. Wrapping up, pious probability, describes the above, so that our participation is very likable and likely to become a reality which is maintained for the love of relationships. And 3 is not a crowd. Dot. The above and in and about the all the time sectionaries of couches to be plushed and sweeted in this whimsical, inclined to recline gently, as imaginary imagine luminous and jesterly in the justified portion allotted to the a lot of us, this is the mode which is the on all the time as in the mailbox on the corner where you let your letters flow into a nation of eager recipients, and thus, do so and write a letter, to your form of words and verse, as in our paths towards being, simple and as requited, then sign and mail to the above address, and find our polar bear Santa as in Father Christmas, and his bowl of jelly for you to laugh in, and so be naughty of nice, and you will find your ordered list of presents, for the fair trade use of milk and cookies. This is AquaQC3W. What do renewable and non-renewable have in common? Both renewable and non-renewable, consume from a perspective, and justly that perspective organizes the renewability. Take oxygen, say from a plant, and while the plant is by its definition eco-friendly, and provides to the means in which its material wealth permits it to live, and just for the inhabitants for and in like and in such corollary need, as in the atmospheric balances which participants of its available transport utilize during rest and travel. If you just take that oxygen and feed it into a gas machine to compress it perhaps and ship it to a hospital, then you've offset that generosity and placed a key tumbler set of obstacles between the renew portion and the usability portion, and thus the even and redistributable parts of the equations which occur as natural. When this occurs in a non-cycle, that is something which neither collected, nor returned into a system of ongoing process, as in our precipitation which while a long heady process, is spread across the planet and provides additional wealth such as transport and cleansing of an essential life ingredient. As well being part of a communication, of itself and thus life, and etc. A non-renewable is when no care is given towards the thinking of, what happens to the provider of this energy, and thus to us, and all the tumbles we've taken it from and towards. And while the sending is known immediately, it can be ignored when an apt belief exists that is as part of this larger system. Of course we know that burning things is not renewable, in that the material is in a poof which is gone and the planet takes care of the cleanup, at a loss, yet in the case of wood, which is natural, at least nutrients can be redistributed, should nutrients be required as naturally to quickly restore a forest's equilibrium. In the cases, and cases of oil. There is no need on this planet to restore a balance of oil taken from deep underground, and while even if and perhaps the oil is enjoyed by the planet as underground, once burnt into a muck and spread across further muck, and poisoning each part of nature which comes in contact with it, its readily available literal drugs of information, should be enough to have abandoned the idea of oil as fuel at onset and utilized it simply for lubrication or viscous traveling, whereas those requirements of renewability would be in a looped system, you can't lubricate or travel on a substance which bleeds away at its very use. Dot. Back to commonality. This perception is where we, as humans, are the offset, in our belief alone, 
and actions taken either by shrouding or dissemination of concepts and information which inflate one aspect of an energy over its utilization for an immediate return, quite literally to under itself and whose dependence mimic a non-system of non-return. I call 